in order to do what I want to do in triathlon and accomplish my goals there and what I'm capable of, I think I need to be in a place like this where yeah, there's a group meeting twice or three times a day. There's a coach there twice or three times a day, um, keeping you accountable and everyone just, you know, the training's different cause it's really repetitive and we go to the same places like several times a week and I'm not used to that. I like to like mix things up and right, keep yeah. the swims <laughs> interesting with different like sets and stuff. But a lot of it's just kind of the same thing and repetition, repetition. And I think that's, it's good. I've sort of embraced that and recognize that it's not the most fun thing. And it's going to be really hard for me to make the change to this, to, to get used to this, but it is making me better and is making me faster. And Paulo said like the light at the end of the tunnel is being fast and having good races. So (laughs) that's the goal. That was Paula Finley, and this is the OU Triathlete Podcast. Welcome to episode 97 of the YTP. We are Justin BJ. We are Yogi Triathlete, holistic performance, triathlon and run coaching, mindfulness and meditation instruction, yoga and plant-based nutrition, basically everything to get your feet solid on the path to mastering not just your goals, but your life. You see, this earth we live on, it's just a school, and just like other educational institutions... We can graduate, we can get to the next level, we can skip grades, and we can get held back. And it is so often that BJ and I observe athletes getting held back. It seems like they're doing the work by getting the workouts done, but that is such a small percentage of what it truly means to get the work done, and that's where we come in. We put it all together. Why? Because we have the skills to do that. Why? Because we've been living the awake and ready life. We've experimented, we've studied, and we've seen the powerful benefits of including the mind in with physical training. And for us, there's no other way to train, race, or live. There's no going back. We've hit the higher levels, and we know too much to go back and pretend that training just the body is a viable option to mastery because it's not. Team Yogi Triathlete is open and we are taking on new athletes. And speaking of, let's just give a major shout out to new tribe member, Jenny. She's 10 and she's already on her way to rocking it in life. Through the YTP, Jenny heard of us. And when she decided to sign up for her first triathlon, she knew that being on Team Yogi Triathlete was definitely her jam. Jenny will be racing the Mission Bay Mini Tri in May. And just to give you an idea of this girl's greatness, she is already meditating and talking about her first half Ironman. Hold on, world. Here she comes. Just a quick note of thanks to our podcast sponsor, Health IQ, a life insurance agency that rewards people who make health their priority. This is a company that uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, including runners, cyclists, yogis, vegans, and more. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. We always say, do the work for the sake of the work and not for the reward, but that's not to say if there is something good for us in the end that we should walk away. So go to healthiq.com forward slash YTP to support the show and see if you qualify and be sure to mention YTP when you talk to an agent. All right, you guys, we have an incredible guest for you today. Professional triathlete Paula Finley fired out of the gates and into the triathlon world with five straight wins at ITU World Championship Series events in 2010 and 2011. This string of wins rocketed Paula into the spotlight and quickly she became Canada's medal hope for the London Olympics. Overnight, she went from anonymity 
to being on cereal boxes and the center of attention from the media. All the while, she had an injury creeping in. As she continued to train, she gave interviews on her Olympic dreams. She fulfilled sponsor contracts, but she was also seeking treatment for her body, which was failing her within the pressure to be the best in the world. Seeking top-level practitioners and flying overseas for physio appointments, Paula was incredibly supported by many who wanted to see her meddling in London. But there were so many voices, so many perspectives, and so much external pressure for her to succeed. Paula continued to soldier on. She trained when she could and prepared as best she could for her Olympic debut. As she says in our conversation today, no one remembers the results, but she does. She came in last place in London, and that left Paula wondering if triathlon was her path after all. She shares with us her experience post-Olympics and her plans for the future. Let's just say this girl has her game on. She is out of her comfort zone and she has her eyes set on Tokyo 2020. We're psyched to share this chat with you today and we're so grateful for Paula for coming over to the studio, sharing a cup of sacred cacao with us and opening up her life to the YT community. We are so touched by all of our guests and this community of listeners. We literally could not do it without you. We're coming up on two years with the show and we're asking for your help to assist us in continuing the YTP message. Two episodes ago, we started our Save the YTP campaign and we're running it for the month of March. If we can get the support we need from our listenership, then this show will continue, no question. And basically, that is our intention, so I'm not even going to entertain the alternative. If you've been enjoying the show, if it's assisting you in making positive changes in your life, if you want to see the YTP continue to lead the charge on living purposeful, awake, and ready existences, then go to patreon.com forward slash yogi triathlete and click on become a patron. Pick your level and then customize your amount. It's a monthly giving that you never have to think of again, and one that will allow us to continue this work for the betterment of the world by sharing stories, confirming that we are never alone, and creating more connection between us all. Amy, Michael, Michelle, Emily, and Jody, thank you from deep within our hearts. Thank you for speaking up, for making your pledge, and sending the world a message that the YTP needs to continue. And speaking of, let's get this show on the road with our insightful chat with one of triathlon's best, a woman who is upping her game big time since her move to SoCal, an athlete who we will no doubt see on the podium again, Paula Finley. Welcome to, uh, to the studio, Paula. Thank you. Happy welcome, to be here. Yeah, welcome to Carlsbad. Thank you. And you're staying here for a few months doing some training. What do you think? Have you, you've been here before? You just yeah. came and checked it out a couple months ago? Yeah, I've kind of, I've been here a couple times over the last few months, but made the drive down here from Boulder a few weeks ago to kind of train here more permanently. for Through Vegas? Did you do that? Route? Yeah, we went through <sighs> Vegas and St. George and it wasn't hot actually when we were driving. Yeah, was, we went in July. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we were, we were kind of in winter. My mom flew down from Edmonton to do the drive with me. And I've done so many road trips this year already. I drove my car from Edmonton down to Boulder and this move was a little more unanticipated. It was kind of last minute. So she um, made that drive with me again. So it's always nice to have company. Um, but yeah, super happy to be here. It's a lot different than Boulder, but a uh, great place to train. The weather's awesome so far. The weather's awesome. Although we've had rain lately. Like yeah, rainy, but not... Uh, 
kind of goes away. And I mean, look at it right now. It's <laughs> yeah, gorgeous. It's beautiful. Out. This is how it always ends it's like up. This morning or yesterday morning, where just you came home from the running and we were soaked. Yesterday. And then the then around ten o'clock, wide open. Kind of clears up. Open. Yeah. And back home it's like minus twenty, so I can't ever complain <laughs> about this weather. Yeah. No so you matter. grew up in Canada, Edmonton. Yeah, I'm from Edmonton, Alberta. It's cold up there, girl. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wintry, but that's kind of what I, all I knew until I, you know, even Boulder's wintry. So I kind of just live every year with the seasons and winter comes and you just dress warm and train inside. And that's how I've lived my life. So I don't know what California life is like. Uh-oh. <laughs> somewhere you might be year. ruined. I know. I'm now going to be. I mean, this is ideal it. for training, which is why people come here, which is why pros live here, why they come and they, and they train here because it is ideal. Like terrain is ideal. Um, the weather is ideal and just the facilities that we have. So you've been swimming mm-hmm. at Alga Norte, which is a gorgeous facility, right? Yeah. You guys one of the there? nicest pools I've ever been in, like a huge outdoor 50 meter pool. And you don't find those in Canada anywhere. So yeah, I, I totally see why people come down here, especially in February, March when it's, you know, icy and snowy back at home. It's nice to <laughs> escape. Yeah. And come- I just got back from Alga. It was it's just amazing. There's something about that pool because I swim at Monroe too, which is right up the street here. Okay, yeah. Um, but when I go to Alga, I just, I love, there's something about it. It's fast, I think. It's a fast, it's fast. pool. I mean, I'm not fast in it right now, but it's a fast <laughs> pool. I think so. I think so. I usually time my my A sets to go to that pool to Right, to, to get, get the maximum yeah. amount of yeah. speed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Monroe is not a fast pool. Monroe's, it's a 25 meter pool. Yeah, I was there a couple of weeks ago. Okay. The pool was close, but. Yeah, but yeah. there's something weird about that pool. It's not... Um, it's not fast. Oh, my God. My, I don't even have my belt buckled. It's really inappropriate as That's a okay. podcast host walking around with my pants falling off. Oh, my God. This is how we roll, my friend. This is how we roll. All right. So let's get into your story. Like, So you grew up in Edmonton. So did you grow up winter sports, that whole situation? No, I grew up uh, as, a, as a dancer, actually, which is kind of random. But I was doing ballet and tap and jazz from when I was five till about grade 12 and started swimming in when I was 11 years old competitively. So swimming and dancing overlapped for probably about four or five years and came to the point in high school where I had to make a choice between the two because they were both huge time commitments. And I was also in high school and um, (laughs) only so many hours in a day. And looking back at it now, I can't believe I balanced all of them for that long, but uh, decided to go the swimming route and stop dancing and um, yeah, swam competitively through university and through my high school years and uh, started running a little bit in university and running with the cross country team and the track team and tried a triathlon somewhere in there and <laughs> loved it and stuck with that. So uh, kind of done, yeah, all, all three sports individually. So growing up dancing though, this is interesting mm-hmm. to me, you started so early and like um, I've worked with a lot of dancers, like as a massage therapist, which is what I did before I started teaching. Yeah. And like, as your, as your body is growing and these muscles are developing and, and all of that, you're, you've got incredible range of motion. But mm-hmm. then I would think that pairing that with swimming was so incredible because now you're adding like a lot of bulk strength to like that wide open range of motion. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what I'm getting at, but like, did <laughs> like, as far as like feeling that 
that dance body like in the water. And do you still feel like some of that's with you? Because I even see people now in yoga who were dancers when they were younger and they still have that, like it's, I don't want to say it's a laxity, but it's a, it's a openness in their joints. Yeah. I think it, like when you're young and dancing and on point shoes and they're just want you to be as flexible as possible and like do the splits and go beyond the splits. And I was never super flexible as a dancer, but I definitely stretched all the time and thought that was like the key to being good at it or something. So that was, I don't know if that necessarily helped me with my swimming, but they, the two definitely balanced out. And I think dancing made me really strong, especially ballet. And it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard work. It makes your legs strong. And Definitely helped my running once I started running. And core. Like you had to have developed a really strong core. Yeah. Young. And this is all when I was super young, like yeah. between the ages of You're like, like, eight, like nine, six ten. years old and like rocking a six pack. <laughs> no, not at all. But I I mean I wasn't even thinking about anything like that, you know, strength or anything. It was yeah. just doing it and um, being active and I know kids kids play sports all through their youth usually and dancing was just my kind of sport when Do I was growing up. Do you feel like so. you still have like that good range of motion because you're putting such a load on your body. And I, what I'm seeing like with the athletes that come to our classes is like the range of motion is ridiculous. It's just, yeah, it's so narrow. Limited. Yeah. It's so limited. And I think balance I am, too. Yeah. I think I still have maintained some of that flexibility and balance. And I think it may have contributed to some of my injuries that I've had over the last you know, decade or so I would, in triathlon. I would probably agree with that too, yeah. So it's helped in some ways because it does keep me, you know, mobile and everything and my balance is good, but um, it, it can also be detrimental if you're who, super flexible and, you right. know, And you're not, not anti-yoga either, for, I hear. No, I like yoga too. <laughs> <laughs> but right now you're, you're, it's right now Focus. it's game on. Yeah, no more yoga for a little while, but I do like it and think it helps like m- mindfulness and body-wise. There's a lot of positives to it um and I do get into these stints of time especially in the off season where I like to go several times a week but uh yeah right now (laughs) putting that off for a bit I did a big workout like we were talking about before yesterday and the first thing I did like off the run we Mm -hmm. co-taught down in Encinitas okay in a studio yeah and it's heated so it was like 99 degrees I like that (laughs) power yoga and my bod just sitting in that for an hour after draining it for four hours mm-hmm. set me up for today <clears throat> i went again this morning like set you up well for today set me up well for today i feel okay. that in in the body like it just i don't know maybe it's um just the sweat and all the toxins come out of it mm-hmm. but this morning i did an, another class that even just, hotter uh, even that, that hotter studio is hot before i did any of my workouts just wow. to like wring it out and i feel really i feel really good yeah so I don't I, think it necessarily has to take away from no, training. No, no, not yeah, at all. Yeah, I can add to it. But it is like f- physical exertion for it is. 90 minutes. So it is. Yeah, so that's the key. That As an athlete, yes. can you go into a class and take it easy? You yeah, know, like, I can in yoga. I can Because I totally too. switch off my like competitive brain and nobody – like you just don't look at anyone else and I'm totally there for – myself and usually it is just to like kind of recover and stretch a bit and I I don't spend a lot of time at home like on my foam roller stretching by myself so it's kind of a good excuse to go in for an hour without my cell phone without thinking about anything else with people around me who know nothing about triathlon don't know who I am don't know it's a different vibe than going to the health club where we swim where everybody knows who everyone is so it was like a little bit of an escape from triathlon which I which I like a lot about it so um 
yeah, I know there's like so many benefits to it, but it also takes time in the day and a bit of energy and um, hard to do in the middle of the season, but good for certain right. points of time. Not when you're game on. When you're game on, you got to be focused. And <laughs> that's yoga to game too. On like right yoga now. is that one pointed <laughs> focus. And I want to get back into, you know, you're growing up and you're swimming and all of that. But um, since you brought up the M word, mindfulness, do you feel that mindfulness that you've learned or practiced in yoga informs your racing and training? Um, I think the it's not even total mindfulness. It's almost like mindlessness. Like I think about less when I'm there and I spend, you know, this generation, I spend so much time on my phone and especially being away from my friends and family, um, like FaceTiming and that's how you, I communicate and stay in touch with people, um, that I'm not with. So a lot of phone, electronic time, computer time, and that's like a way to not think about anything. And, um, over the last eight years I've been injured a lot and it also has been my escape from that a little bit and I could always go and do yoga no matter how injured I was I felt like and um didn't think about it for that mm-hmm. 90 minutes that I was in there so um does any yeah, of it carry over like into your training in racing so like when you're in yoga you're kind of like there yeah right? yeah like and when you're training and you're racing do you feel that same essence of the mindfulness like the being present does that translate over into your racing and training? Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit. I've been racing longer than I've ever done yoga for, so I I guess so. So maybe even the, your ability <laughs> to be present in your training and racing informed your yoga. Could be the other way around. Yeah, maybe. I get yeah. it. Like race mode brain is totally different than training brain to me. Like I'm, the time goes by quicker and I'm just like super, super competitive. And I, when I'm out riding and training, like I was today on my TT bike, I'm way more nervous about like cars and things around me. But when I'm racing, that kind of all goes away. So, um, yeah, it's a different mindset. So so it sounds like you drop, and I don't know if you want to pass, but you drop, you drop into race mode. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I do. I think, especially in a, I've only done one half in my life, but when you're by yourself on the bike or you're not like having to react as much to people around you and you're more in control of what's going on individually that's uh especially true so right because you're coming from the itu world where you're talking 40 plus people at the swim start bike <laughs> yeah you're just like in contact Constantly. with people for two hours straight right. and uh your race is like <laughs> dictated a lot by what other people are doing and you're in a not as much control um i feel like anyway of your own race so it's stressful but it's uh yeah, it's just like kind of a different kind of racing then. It's a totally different kind of racing. It must be really nice to go to like that 70.3 distance and be like, oh my God, there's <laughs> like, I mean, maybe the swim's probably, you know, contact, of course, but like being on the bike and not having a whole pod of people around you, you know? Yeah, but it's different. It, there's no drafting. Like yeah. it's a totally different kind of mm-hmm. kind of animal. Well, even the swim, you've got, you're, you probably race as a pro. Mm-hmm. You are a pro. Yeah. So what is the field like at Austin? There was like. 15? It's smaller, yeah. It's yeah. probably a quarter the size of the yeah. ITU races I do. And in general, the swim is a little bit more chill. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say it's like the easy way no. out. There's, <laughs> there's definitely still like four hours of racing is really hard. And <laughs> running a half marathon at the end is another a whole different kind of challenge. But the ITU world is, uh, it's like full on for two hours and it's just getting faster and faster. When I was back in 2010, 11, when I was winning those races, it was kind of almost a different sport. It just keeps evolving every year and getting quicker and quicker. So <laughs> got to keep up. Are you going to say that? No, do you want to dive into that or do you want to continue more? <laughs> yeah, with- let's, um, 
I know. I think we can go off the rails with that. But I want to. There's no agenda. I want to get to. I'm going to get back to the roots. So you started swimming, and swimming eventually (laughs) um, took over the dancing. And then where does triathlon come in? Because like when we talked to like we talked to Eric, we talked to Matt, we talked to Taylor. And, you know, USAT has this great recruitment program with, mm-hmm. that they all kind of, I think Eric did too, I'm not sure, mm. um, that they all fell into and it's really helps, you know, grooming these new athletes. How does it work yeah. in Canada? How did you get into um, this? Well, personally, I I was a competitive swimmer and I went to university, University of Alberta to do my undergrad right after high school. And so I'm with the swim team and at that point I had started running. So I was running with the cross country team and the track team and the track coach at the time, Glenn Playfair, was also coaching triathlon and he said if you start if you get a road bike and start doing triathlon you could qualify for junior worlds this year and I was like yeah right that's not gonna happen but um wanted to give it a shot anyway I knew what triathlon was because Edmonton has a world cup stop every year yeah so I'd watched Simon Whitfield and Siri Lindley and all these people come to my hometown and and race so I was totally aware of what the sport was um so yeah I got a road bike and for Christmas that year and <laughs> tried my first triathlon four months later in May and it was at the university where I went to school up until this year so that was cool and I it was just like a local fun race kind of sprint distance that I ended up winning um and then did the junior series that year in Canada and went to junior worlds and uh yeah it kind of just <laughs> unfolded from there I guess I still continued swimming competitively and running competitively with the university teams all through my years at university. So I never really um, thought of myself as a triathlete. I was still like swimming at swim meets and going to track meets and going to cross country meets and doing triathlon in the summer and having a lot of success with it, but uh, never, never fully focusing on swim, bike, run training. It was more just like trying to combine the, yeah. combine the swim training with the run training and like sometimes ride the trainer because I was in Edmonton on my, <laughs> in the winter. But uh, yeah, that's how, it, that's how it happened, I guess. When was this? What, what years? Uh, 2006 like? was my first one. Okay. So. And then under 23, yeah. you were under 23? Uh, 2009, I was under 23. Okay. So that was a couple of years later. Yeah, I went to Junior Worlds three times and then under 23 once and then Elite Worlds after that. So, so when did you, how does it work? Is it the same kind of thing with getting a pro card when you're in Canada? Like, how does that work? When did you go from, um, you know, doing, winning this local race to turning pro? Well, it's, I don't feel like I turned pro until I like moved to the U.S. to train because we don't even call it that. We, I was just on the national team and All I, the Americans I love know. their labels. They love I, their I labels. I guess so. Yeah. I, like, I don't even think I'm a pro triathlete right now, but I, <laughs> but <laughs> you are, but I guess I am. You're hanging out with a bunch of pros. <laughs> I'm in the pro field, but I don't know if I'm a pro. Um, but no, when I was, beginner's when mind. I was like 16, 17, 18 and definitely was not like thinking like it was my job or anything and even up till the 2012 Olympics and after that I didn't think of it as a job it was just something that I loved to do and I was still a student and I had plans of like going to med school and I didn't think of this as like a long super long-term career or anything but I've switched my mindset a little bit ever since moving to Boulder to train and coming here and um, it can be your career (laughs) at least for uh, as long as you can do it for. So um, my mindset's changed that way a little bit. Um, so have you let go of med school or is that something you're thinking about for the future? 
Um, I, I actually just finished my undergrad this past uh, December. It took me 10 years, but I went back and finished because I was so close for so many years. And I put took a lot of time off to train for the Olympics and try to qualify for Rio. And uh, after Rio, I thought I'd need to just check this box and finish my undergrad. And it opens up doors now to potentially go to med school or into physio or something else like a master's degree. So um, it's nice to have that undergrad finished and it'll you know now I can go if I want to I don't know if I do anymore (laughs) just because of the amount of school that it would be to go back to to be a doctor but um but coming off I don't want to say never (laughs) did coming off of like um not not going to Rio was Mm -hmm. it like one of those moments in life where you were like Maybe I want to you, quit triathlon. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Maybe I want to no. quit. Or yeah, okay, go with go with that. Like, how how yeah. did you feel after that? Like, I'm just like you went back and you were. It was almost you said I I want to just tick this box box off. Like, did you feel yeah. like I just need to? Okay, I'm not going to the Olympics. I haven't finished my undergrad. Like, what the hell am yeah, I doing? A little bit of that. And my um, my parents are like extremely supportive of either with whatever I do, but there was a little bit of pressure from them too, like to finish the undergrad and I also wanted to be back in Edmonton for certain periods of time because I'd just been like living in Victoria and not at home for years and years and years so it was nice almost a nice excuse to go home for four months or five months and be at home and be with my family and train with my old swim team and run teams and stuff and finish school at the same time so I don't think it was a negative thing in any way and I could, I still was completely training through the whole thing I didn't take time off triathlon or anything but did it give you like did it refresh your head like did it refresh yeah. you mentally to just it did. Like, yeah, go it was... home <laughs> and go home and finish this thing and be with your old buddies and like kind yeah. of in that really safe space it it was good yeah and I think when I had my most successful years in triathlon it was when I was a student in the fall and training and swimming a ton with the swim team and then racing in the summer and spring for with triathlon so it kind of brought me a little bit back to that structure of the year where I was um at home in the middle of winter and going to school until April and then started my season a bit later but had a lot of success like later on in the summer so yeah I thought maybe that was a positive thing to to bring myself back to that a bit instead of just trying to train hard all year and then getting injured in June and finishing my season early and just this like endless cycle of (laughs) of getting hurt. I think you really set yourself up well (laughs) by going back and feeling that, like I'll use the word again, like feeling that safety and remembering like when I was at my best, this is exactly what I was doing. And then you were able to complete something that you hadn't completed yet, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a huge, it's like that puts you a level up, like, all right, I've accomplished that. Now, I'm back, you know, and it's like, yeah. You, and then coming back into the season with just being fresh and not, uh, and, and, um, and coming from that place where you revisited where you had been so successful. Yeah. I think that was good. I try not to go back and say, what was I doing back when I was winning WTS races? And I want to do that exact thing again, because that's, what's going to work because I'm not the same person that I was. And I'm, I'm older and I'm, I don't know, a lot of things have changed since then. So I can't just plug myself back into that life and expect it to happen again. But I think taking certain aspects of it and like going back home and taking a bit of the the stress of being away all year. And (laughs) I love being around my family and friends and everything. And it's totally different to hang out with people that won't talk about triathlon at all for, (laughs) for a couple hours a day. So yeah, it's, 
different. And even being around the students at school, I was a lot older than them now because they're all doing their undergrad and I was finishing mine eight years later. So that was a bit of a interesting experience too, just being around little, <laughs> little kids, it felt like, <laughs> who were just um, super focused at school. And I had this, I've been like traveled around the world and been to all these triathlons and they have no idea. <laughs> so it was kind of cool. And it's competitive too. Like school is Everyone's trying to get the best marks. Everyone wants to go to med school. So you're still able to sharpen up that competitive side. <laughs> you're like, I don't know. It was just weird to like see the similarities between like racing and yeah, being well, in a you're, classroom. I mean, adventure. you're going to pull out the qualities of any situation that are attuned to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that may, maybe some people were in there just wanting to get good marks, but they weren't feeling competitive about it. Like it's just you know we bring ourselves to wherever we're going to go. True. But I think as athletes, we can endure. We can really endure. And as an ITU athlete, like you can endure discomfort. You can endure it. But you chose. You made a choice to kind of go against that and going home and and going into. I'm not saying it was a comfort zone because you're still training and you're in school and it's competitive and all that stuff. But that instead of just being out there, you took a step back a little bit. Took a yeah, not a step back, but a step away. Yeah, you I know, guess and so. enjoyed true. and saw that like, oh my god, I I just really enjoy not talking about triathlon. And that's one <laughs> thing I loved when we moved from Boulder. We moved from Boulder back to New England, and nobody talked about triathlon. Yeah, I loved it. It's a different because Boulder everything in Boulder was everyone, and I love all those people, and we're still good friends with them. Like, yeah, every party was a triathlon party, and then you would train together, and then you would like go to Southern Sun together, which I know you probably know Southern Sun, mm-hmm. and um, and then you would like race together, and it's just it's always triathlon twenty four seven. Yeah, but so, then in New England, we were on an island, we basically lived on an island, and. I mean, to go ride our bikes, I had to go over the bridges to go find some terrain to ride. Nobody on the island really, now there is a few people, but triathlon really wasn't like It was crazy. It was like death defying. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you went out on your bike there, it was. But it was kind of refreshing. Like, <laughs> it, was it, was, it was our, it was our. It was your thing. It was our thing to, to step back yeah. from Bol- like Boulder. Life got easy in Boulder because everybody was doing yeah. the same thing. That's it was like, <laughs> this is, I could live here forever. And when we left, I'm like, oh my God. I'm leaving Boulder. (laughs) I just experienced this like a couple weeks ago. And it's a scary thing to leave Boulder, especially even when I went back to Edmonton from Boulder, I was like super sad to leave and didn't want to. And I was hanging on to the everything I love about being in Boulder. But once you're out of it, you realize it's really healthy to get out of it for a little while. And it's funny that you say getting out of or coming home to a comfort zone because Boulder has become my comfort zone, I think. And it just... I go to rally sport every day and the same people are there and I, and I know everybody who's there and I, um, friends with them and I don't know, it's just gets, it gets easy and the mountains are it there. Easy. It gets easy. The healthy yeah. food is all right yeah. there. Like whole foods every day. Yeah. It's whole, whole foods every day. Yeah. It's There's all... always somebody riding always like out yeah, on the Yeah. You roads, always see people. Like, always. So when I was thinking about coming here and meeting with Paulo, he said, you need to get out of your comfort zone and make it happen. And I was thinking this is going to be like a logistical nightmare trying to move again because I have been in Boulder for four years and I have so much stuff there and wheels and bikes and my car was there. And I thought this is impossible to like pack up and move in two days. But when you want something to happen bad enough, you can make it happen. And I just did went home and uh, packed up and my mom flew down and we got out and it wasn't the worst thing. It's always there if I need to go back, but it's like, 
yeah, it's good to get it's, out of my comfort. Would you agree? It's always just like the thoughts about like, oh, how am I gonna do this? I got so much stuff. I gotta like pack up in like a couple days and get it. Yeah. But then when you daunting. actually put your mind to it and you do it, it's just anything is doable. Just sure, get yeah. your mind in the game and get it done. Yeah. yeah. It's like the dramatics that and there are like is all the distractions that might have made me not leave um before, but they're like looking back now at the last three weeks that I just went through of being in Boulder and then now being here for two weeks. It's not that big of a deal. Just <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> and you can always go back. That it's like always there. Boulder's yeah. always there. You, yeah, it's I mean, always we there. probably won't. You, I don't know if you will, but I don't know if I will. But yeah. it's like it's it's always there, and we almost got pulled back in. We yeah yeah we <laughs> drove we sold everything and packed up. This is everything that we own is here. Yeah, we packed up our little car, moved from New England to here. We didn't know where we were going to live, but we stopped. It took six months to drive across the country. Oh, wow. We cool. stopped back in Boulder. Oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> so dangerous. <laughs> like, running into, we should like, just stay here. Running into just people. Right back in. Yeah. Yeah, running in. So oh, you guys easy. back? Oh, my God. Are you still practicing massage? Can I get an appointment? And I'm like, whoa. Like, yeah. you mean to tell me like we could move back here tomorrow and start like making money and be really... And then we were like, no, we can't do it. We got to like, keep going. We Power keep, through. We have <laughs> to keep going. Like, it's yeah. it felt so easy to stay like and our friend was we were staying in our friend's airstream she's like you can just stay here like everything was like just being laid out for us like stay yeah. stay you know it was all glitter you know stay <laughs> and we were like we can't we have to keep going like our hearts were on the west coast yeah where it was total unknown and complete risk and scary and all that stuff but we kept going mm -hmm. and now here we are and this is exactly where we're supposed to be so mm -hmm. it's it's being awake and it's like being awake, right? In those moments to be like, okay, this is, this all feels nice and frilly, but is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah. And also for me, it was like, is this where I'm going to be the best triathlete that I can be? And Hell yeah. I think it turned out At into, this point in time, at right? At this point now. in time, yeah. 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 Okay. When I moved down there in 2014, it was to work with Siri Lindley, who was, she had a, a big training group down there and her positive energy and her outlook on life and everything was exactly what I needed at the time. I was, injured I hadn't made the Olympic team I was like not fast anymore and it was just a low point in life so being there with her that's what brought me down there initially and it was such a positive thing like her energy is amazing she like flipped me around and I got excited about triathlon and I loved it and so that's why I went in the first place and uh it was just easy to stay because I loved it so mm -hmm. much even when I wasn't working with her anymore so yeah. Yeah. Her energy, her energy is unbelievable. We had her on the show too. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. I, I like, her. I love her. Yeah. So you were a Siri and then now you're here with the triathlon squad. So what's your first two weeks been like coming down here? Like I'm assuming you're meeting new people, like these mm -hmm. quote unquote coworkers that you're also kind of living with. And now you're like 24 <laughs> yeah. seven with all these people. Yeah, yeah. How has it been? Um, it's a lot different when I was, um, so between Siri and the triathlon squad now is working with Neil Henderson and um, that was an awesome training group too, but it was just a different, a different setup. There was a lot more of like, um, not on your own sessions, but a lot more flexibility, I guess. And it, that's where it kind of got comfortable for me is that I could do my own thing a lot of the time and I did and I <laughs> went to yoga a lot and I don't know, I just started living super, I was, I still felt like I was training really hard, but it took coming here to realize that there's a whole other level of like focus and commitment that's necessary to like be at the next level. And, um, back in 2010 and 2011, when I was at my fastest and winning races and, um, 
I was training so much, like looking back at what I was doing. And uh, I fell out of that a little bit, like that focus. And I got a little bit more, you know, more into skiing and more into like going on hikes and going. Yeah. <laughs> going to so I don't know. I took I, I think that stuff's good and healthy, but it it's not what in order to do what I want to do in triathlon and accomplish my goals there and what I'm capable of, I think I need to be in a place like this where yeah. there's a group meeting twice or three times a day. There's a coach there twice or three times a day. Um, keeping you accountable and everyone just you know the training's different because it's really repetitive and we go to the same places like several times a week and I'm not used to that I like to like mix things up and right, keep yeah. the swims <laughs> interesting with different like sets and stuff but a lot of it's just kind of the same thing or repetition repetition and I think that's it's good I've sort of embraced that and recognize that it's not the most fun thing and it's going to be really hard for me to make the change to this to to get used to this, but it is making me better and is making me faster. And Paulo said like the light at the end of the tunnel is being fast and having good races. So <laughs> that's the goal is to come out on the other end. And that, faster. that <laughs> repetition, that repetition, that same stuff over and over and over again, that's, that's mastery. Yeah. So it's really fun to go skiing and go to, and believe me, I'm a big fan of going to yoga seven days a week, all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. But those are just, those are distractions. It those, was, they were distractions. They for take sure. you away from that one point of focus. And yeah. I'm th thinking about like my meditation teacher and, um, you know, if I start like with the Oprah Winfrey readings and the Deepak Cho, he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, no. Yeah. You don't need to read any of that mm -hmm. stuff. Just sit in meditation and have a one-pointed focus on on mm -hmm. getting, you know, having a visit with yourself really deep every single day. And you do the same thing. Like I've been doing the same protocol in my meditations for I don't even know, like well over a year. Like they'll they'll advance mm -hmm. and they'll shift a little bit. Yeah. But I know very well that I am not the one to ask for the shift. Yeah. Or to level up because yeah. that's just saying that you're not ready for it. You're looking for something more because your mind isn't strong enough to handle what you've already been given, which is mm -hmm. repetition, repetition, repetition. Yeah. And I think that oh, that's, that's interesting. exactly like it, that's mastery. That's how you get to mastery. And that's why really like the, the essence of yoga principles are, are, can be anywhere. They're not just roll out your mat and flop around on it. It's what's yeah. going Gymnastics. on. It's the science of the mind. And, yeah, yeah. you know, that's what Yogi Trothley's all about. It's like really dialing in the science of the mind. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's super fun to mix up the swim workouts all the time. Like, cause that's what the mind wants. It wants totally, newness. Yeah. It's what my, it's what my head, that's been the biggest shift is just mentally getting yeah. used to it. And physically, yes, I can like do all these workouts maybe. And I'm not, nearly as fast as like a that I thought it was or compared to anyone else I'm like the slowest in the pool and I'm the slowest on the bike and it's it's a bit of like an awakening like wow I have so much work to do I'm not nearly as fit or fast as I thought I was because I was doing a lot of training by myself in Boulder where you just you know think you're awesome and look at your power meter and if you're not feeling good you just back off a bit but you can't do that in a in, in a, a group. group and it's just uh it yeah, it's like an awakening to the accountability is there. Totally, yeah, and and, <laughs> and I can totally relate to how you're what you're saying right now. It's just you constantly need to have variety in being tested, right? And it sounds like you've had opportunities, even like the move, like these are like not fearful things, but it's like how can I challenge you for the next thing? Like the universe is saying, okay, now you're mm -hmm. gonna move here. Yeah, now you're gonna jump in with a group. Now you're going to do the same workout over and over and over again. Like, mm -hmm. and any resistance 
it just shows you falling back into your old pattern. Yeah. Right. And right. It, and being open, how, how we like to say, just keeping all channels open, like see what comes. And, and if it does challenge you, then that's certainly something you need to go after. For sure. Yeah. And I'm talking to myself too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm speaking. I totally But I can relate to that because, you know. Like it's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's been hard. I've, um, I really love the group and I trust Paulo completely and I have nothing to, to lose at this point. So I'm not like going and changing sessions secretly or like stupid things I did when I was like younger and a couple of years ago and I just wanted to do like more running. So I'd go do it and definitely not like do into that anymore. Just going to trust him completely. And I think that'll, that'll work. I'm yeah, really nowhere. I can't go down at this point. <laughs> I'm healthy. And I love that. Um, Everyone that we've interviewed on the squad, it's, you know, when we're trying to schedule the podcast, it's like, okay, well, I can do Tuesday, but I haven't gotten my workout yet. So yeah. when I get it, then oh I'll know. Oh my gosh, and I that love drives that. me crazy. Oh, but oh, oh. <laughs> well, yes. that's just so good though. <laughs> like, how do I schedule this setup when I don't get my workouts the till unknown. the night before? So. Are you listening to that, Yogi Triathlete Athletes? <laughs> I know, that's how BJ coaches That's how I too. coach. Oh, it is? Yeah. Like- so, yeah, Paulo emails us the night before and here's the schedule for the day, the next day. So... It really just, <laughs> this is life, right? Like this is my life is triathlon. So I have nothing else to do in the day except train. So that's okay. You can put workouts at any time of day and I can be there. But in Boulder, I was like making appointments or like making plans with friends. And cause I knew exactly what time and what the workout was like weeks in advance. So, so. easy to be distracted. Yeah. It's right. So he distracted. is making you guys make those, that training the priority. You know, because like, it is, yeah. But you'll have it has to be <laughs> like you've got some kind of structure, and like you know that like Thursday is usually this and this, or right? Yeah, I'm like, sort of learning the like the, you'll the layout the a little flow. bit, flow. Yeah. Flow. yeah. <laughs> some the flow. flow of it. But I love that. That's so. That's the like all of that is on purpose. All of it's not like he's like, oh, I got to do the plans. It's late at night. Like all of that is on no, purpose. He, I know he thinks. Yeah, he has a plan. He's got a master plan. <laughs> yeah, it's a good. Plan. I like to. I like to think of it as. Um, and it's just happened with a newer athlete. They want to know like, okay, what's my long run or intensity going to be on Friday? And I don't want to give that to them because there, there's a, there's a purpose for Tuesday and Wednesday's workout. And mm-hmm. if they, if they see what's coming on Friday and they back off their intensity on Tuesday or Wednesday, yeah. then That's the purpose true. is, it, it, it's not accomplished. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's a transition. So how, how have you, how have you. I know it's it's quick because it's just, it's just you're in it now. But, but how are you still yeah. fresh? So yeah, how, are how are you navigating? Are you, yeah, how are you how are you, how are you getting around it? Uh, or how are you making friends with it? Or are you still? I don't know. I think it's just the not having other stuff to do. Really, it's like I've cut out a lot of like. I'm, <laughs> I feel I don't even want to like say this on whatever, but <laughs> I would like go on hikes in Boulder in the afternoon, like just because I loved being up in the mountains and the trail was five minutes from my house. And this definitely wasn't part of my training to go on a two hour hike, but I would just do it because I was like, I am invincible and I can, it'll make me fitter and there's nothing bad that can come of this. But if I had energy to do a two hour hike in the afternoon, I probably wasn't training hard enough. So I've just cut all of that like excess stuff out and, uh, it's been, yeah, it's been really good. And when I was at school, I was, uh, the past this past fall and then last year, I had a pretty like regimented schedule too, and I knew exactly what my classes were and exactly when swim team was training. And so I am like a planner and like to have times and know what workouts are happening. But um, yeah, it's kind of nice to have a be be able and free the next day to 
do all the workouts that he sends, no matter what they are, what time they are, or if it's a swim or a bike or a, a run, it doesn't matter. You, you know that he has thought it out, so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because no. he's the coach, right? So you just do what he says, yeah, right? Because you trust him. Yeah, he's a good plan. So, yeah, yeah, he's and he sounds amazing. Um, but he's through this. It's that it's the kind of the agitation of the of the mind to not know. Like, mm-hmm. I want to know what my intensity is going to be on my run on Friday. Like, I don't know what athlete that was, but somebody asked you that. And but that's the mind. That's the mind wanting to know. Like yeah, your body doesn't really, really no, care. <laughs> no, and your true self, ready, like yeah. who you truly are, you're just like chilling in the moment. You're always chilling in the moment, like who you truly are. So it's the mind that gets involved and like wants to know because we're so hardwired to be comfortable we're mm-hmm. so hardwired to avoid, I mean, this is, we are hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort that like yeah. it's painful for the mind not to know. So now that's an unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it keeps you really focused and it sounds like this is it perfect does, yeah. for you. Like you're in the exact <laughs> place you're supposed to be. I love this. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you guys so. We really, <laughs> we're really pleased. Thank you. I think I don't regret the move at all. As scary as it was, it was it was not an easy thing to leave Boulder because I have really good friends there and it, and we've talked about how comfortable it is for me, but yeah, I don't regret it at all. It's been awesome to be here. It's so amazing here too. And you're training with a, you know, a squad of people that are all in the same boat. Well, that's the other thing too, is having girls that are around me who have the same goal as me. And I would, I still want to make a push to go to Tokyo in 2020 and think I can, I, or I think I'm, capable of it anyway but only with the right group and training environment and I think that this is it so all right so let's get into that so let's back up to 2010 and 11 <laughs> right let's yeah backtrack the a good little old bit. days like the, the golden years the golden yeah. years so you came out you came out blazing in 2011 right first few races yeah. in the ITU how old were you then uh, I think I was 20 one or something. Oh my God. 20. So I'm born at 89. I'm, I don't know how old I was, but I was in I was a junior in high school. Drinking <laughs> Budweiser's and wine coolers down at Sandy Neck Beach. All right. You were doing yeah. something totally different. You were a baby. But yeah, okay. So you blaze onto the triathlon trail and you definitely make a statement. Yeah. I went into like a couple, my first couple WTS races and ranked really low. Didn't know what to expect. No pressure. And one like, five in a row I think it was so it was yeah end of 2010 beginning of 2011 and that lasted that stint and then I got hurt and the Olympics were coming and I pre-qualified for London Olympics because of my success that year um and winning the three races um so I spent kind of the whole year leading into the Olympics as a medal hope for Canada and had all this crazy pressure on me that I don't even realize I didn't realize at the time but looking back I'm like wow this is crazy I was on like cereal boxes and had General Mills and Procter and Gamble and like all these crazy sponsors that I I I had no sponsors the year before and suddenly I was like with Nike and specialized and it was just a huge steep learning curve and I had help I had people like my my parents and I had a manager all of a sudden and um that same coach that I had had for a couple of years but it was just this like explosion of, of newness. And at the same time, I was trying to prepare for the Olympics and to deliver on this like hope that everyone had for me to medal um, while I was hurt. And it was the first kind of major injury I had. And because what I had, was had it, what did, what it was like a hip issue. I don't even know exactly what it was. It wasn't a labral tear, but that was kind of one of the thoughts that maybe it was. 
Um, but I, I don't know if I met, managed it completely properly or I for sure didn't cause it dragged on for way too long, but I kind of tried to train through it. And I, when you're ranked like number one in the world and the world championships are in a couple months and, um, that was the scenario I was in. So I was and like, I for sure can get through this in a couple of weeks and I'm still going to fly to Europe and go to training camp, of course, because that's what I do. And I'm going to try to win the world championships and I'm so close and it's definitely realistic. And so I didn't really think clearly at the time I was just like, it'll get better and I'll race and I'll be fine. But it didn't get better for <laughs> months and months and months and the Olympics were coming up. And by the time London came around, I was healthy like it wasn't hurting anymore but I just had missed like so much training that year running so but I came last at the Olympics <laughs> oh I, that's amazing I want to talk about that but, uh, um, I, but yeah. during that time where there's like like you're in the supermarket and you're like on a cereal box and your hip is hurting like yeah what craziness <laughs> craziness right so there had to have been was there a part of you that felt like you couldn't talk about it or express fully how you're feeling or even yeah. maybe a part of you that was like shutting it down like this is not this happening. Doesn't for exist, sure, like, for sure yeah. it was happening yeah I didn't <clears throat> I didn't ever mention it to any media we did it I did a lot of media stuff that year I got really good at talking to cameras and microphones and I'm not good at it anymore <laughs> but um I didn't ever tell anyone that I was that I was hurt and yeah it was almost a way of like not admitting to myself of how hurt I was. Were you seeking treatment? Were you in like yeah, physio I had, and like, stuff? Well, well, this is the other thing about being targeted as a as a metal hope for the Olympics is you get all the funding and support you could ever imagine. So I was living in Victoria, flying on like a seaplane over to Vancouver to see like the the Canucks physiotherapist, like crazy, crazy things I was doing. Went to Ireland to see Paula Radcliffe's physio. Like I did so much treatment and seeking for help to try to fix this thing. Um, and at the time I, I had been kind of funded and supported since I started the sport because I had success pretty soon when I was a junior. So I didn't really know any different, but I'm, I kind of took the backwards route because now I'm not on the national team and I'm not funded and not supported by triathlon Canada. So I've, I, I recognize now how lucky I was and how well supported I was by people around me. Um, I'm getting a bit off track here, but no, this is yeah. really interesting to, <laughs> to hear this um, this route that you went and, you know, you're flying to Ireland. Like, look at the extent that we go to, like, you're flying to Ireland for, like, a physio appointment when yeah. really what you probably needed was, like... Time off. Time off. Yeah, and that's ultimately what um, fixed me in, after... And did you and, know that? Did you secretly just know that, like... No, I didn't, and I... I didn't re really know how bad it was, I guess, until it just like kept lingering and hurting so much. And I was in Australia for a bit and one of the doctors said it was a labral tear and he said he could operate on me that week. And this was like four months out from the Olympics. And I don't know, just all these things that I was going through as a 22 year old and not, not, I don't think I had like the skills to deal with that completely yeah. yet. I didn't end up having the surgery and I don't think it was a labral tear, but there was almost too much, way too much noise in my head because I was getting advice from everybody and coaches and doctors that I was seeing and Triathlon Canada support staff and everyone had my best interest at heart, but everyone also wanted to be a part of it, I think, because there was this potential story of me, you know, meddling at the Olympics and I had had a lot of success. So it's almost like when you're on top like that, everyone wants in and everyone wants mm -hmm. to be, um, 
which is great to have that support, but it was way too much. And I was confused out of my mind because I was getting so much advice from every single person. And everyone's <laughs> just sharing their perspective. Everyone's yeah. just sharing their perspective. Right. And, and, and it was well, always different from... And you didn't have that one... You didn't have that one neutral... Well, it was my uh, my parents always, but they're also not complete. They're biased. They just want me to be happy. Like they don't care if I win the Olympics. They want they it killed them to like see me traveling the world and being hurt and being sad and being like struggling like this for that year. So that um, it was almost harder for my mom than for me, I think, to watch Mm. this whole year unfold. But she's always been like the person I go to and for absolutely anything that happens. So. Yeah. So you show up to London and you just, yeah. you're not a hundred percent, but does everyone <clears throat> think that you're still? Yeah. It was still pretty fresh that I had won those races. So even I yeah. believe that that fitness could carry over and not even fitness, but just like being a racer. And I think that's been one of my strengths over the years mm-hmm. is that even if training wasn't going great or I wasn't necessarily like the fastest swimmer in the pool or on the track I could always show up on race day and deliver and have a good race and um the competitiveness would kick in and I don't know I just some people race better than I train and that's definitely me so I still had this crazy confidence and like maybe too much confidence that I could still like be very competitive at this race probably your best friend now (laughs) it probably was because if you didn't have that you probably wouldn't even have shown up yeah no I was I was pretty determined to, to so show how up. Did that, yeah, how did, <laughs> how the race, did that day shake how down? How did the race go down? Uh, it's funny talking about this because it feels like so long ago. Like even the things I'm telling you might not be fully accurate because it's, it's like such a blur. Ago, yeah. yeah, and it's six years ago now. So like I think this is all right, but I don't know. <laughs> it's a long – and I've tried to block a lot of it out because it's not like positive stuff so much of it. So, But there's – but there's – well, but that, the, that question yeah. is going to be coming. So forget it. Just <laughs> yeah. go forward. How's, how's the race went? How oh, race gosh, I don't down. even remember. But I do – I was not in the front pack on the swim, which was unusual for me. I was usually in the front pack. Um, got onto the run and had no energy, just completely flat, dead, felt like I could – wanted to walk and quit. So I pulled off to the team doctor and said, I need to pull out of this race. This is so embarrassing and crazy. And the race was like 10 minutes up the road, not here where I am right now. So he said, um, if, if you have it in you finish the race, you won't regret it at all. So I did. And the girls lapped me on the run. (laughs) The girls that I had like beaten, you know, 10 months earlier and wanted to be racing at that on that specific day. So that was rough, but I finished and I crossed the finish line and last, um, my parents were in the stands and it was like, I apologized after to the media and it's funny being overseas at, at the Olympics, like they were in London and, um, I, I don't see the coverage on CBC back home, but there were like all these stories, like with Simon crashing and me not like, finishing, <laughs> finishing last. And I never saw any of that, but the outpouring of support when I like got back to Canada and rewatching all this stuff was just insane like so much love and support from back home for for finishing and I still don't feel like proud of that race by any means but finishing was definitely the right call (laughs) and that support that support was always there for you it was just showing up like in the hype right and then we put Mm -hmm. all this pressure on ourselves like Mm -hmm. oh my god like nobody's like everybody just wants to support you and of course like the companies want to get your name on their brand and all that stuff and there's a business to it but and this reminds me a little bit of series experience with the Olympic trials where she just in Sydney that she just yeah. or for Sydney it before was Sydney before yeah. Sydney where the she call. just totally yeah. bombed 
and was just so devastated mm-hmm. and then realized that everybody still loved her. Yeah, that's what I realized after this was that it wasn't like depending on me winning a medal. <laughs> People didn't right. care about that. But and, man, your yeah. ego got checked big yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, it was so hard. How did you how did you bounce from that? Did it take you a while? Like um, what were those Yeah, I moved away out of Victoria. Um started working with Joel Filial, I think the year after. Um I ha- found out after this is like a whole other topic that we don't need to get into at all, but I had really low iron, like one of the lowest iron levels mm-hmm. that the doctors had seen. Like so I was at the Olympics. Yeah, not in good shape at all as far as my health. So and that I will needed make you to feel completely spent. Fatigue, yeah. yeah, so that kind of explains mm-hmm. the way that I felt at that race. I think I was actually fitter than I than last place. <laughs> like I I had had some good training leading up to the Olympics, so the result was pretty shocking to me. But that it explained a lot when I went home and had some blood work and everything. So it just took that month, that fall basically, or almost a whole year to like get my iron levels back up and focus on my health. (laughs) And, and yeah, it was, it was hard, like mentally and emotionally getting over that whole experience. And do you remember like, was there a, was there a turning point? Was there like a rock, a rock bottom? Was there a a dark night (laughs) of your soul? Was there like a, I still kind of tried to remain fairly positive through it all. And that's kind of my, been the way I've dealt with a lot of the injuries I've had over the years is like, forget about that and just move forward. And that's, I don't know if that's, that's no, you want to focus on, focus on moving forward Mm -hmm. and you focus on whatever it is in that moment that you can be grateful for. And so moving into the question I wanted to ask was, um, that whole, that whole London Olympics, the whole hip thing, like the whole year, like all that prep and leading up to it and Mm -hmm. coming in last place, like (laughs) what can you be grateful for, for that experience? Being an Olympian is something that I didn't till recently appreciate that that's really cool. And people don't remember the results from London like at all or or really the story or anything. So I think you can – it's been useful for inspiring younger athletes and especially locally in Edmonton. I think now that we have a WTS race and a lot of kids of steel like junior athletes coming up the ranks. And so it's cool to kind of be seen as a role model I guess in that – sense that uh I've been to the Olympics and that's the goal that a lot of, a lot of these kids have so yeah that's a positive I'm going yeah on. absolutely you, I'm thinking despite the hip and despite the, mm-hmm. the the lead up and stuff you still went to the Olympics like at the, yeah the, and I don't like I kind of hate that you hate that because it, that's not what I was training for or like wanting or yeah. I wanted so badly to I don't know. Yeah. I went to the Olympics, but I, it was not at all a positive experience. Mm-hmm. You wanted so badly to what? <laughs> to, me- to, medal to medal and to live. Yeah. To have I think medal. I could have, if my year was just shifted mm-hmm. so that my 2011 was my 2012, it would have been very realistic and Oh, yeah, but that wasn't know. your plan. That wasn't the plan. That wasn't the divine plan. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. But, uh, there's an Olympics on the, on the horizon. Yeah. So now I'm in this interesting scenario where I, could go the 70.3 route because over the years of not running a lot, my biking's got, my cycling's gotten a lot stronger. And I did my first half last fall in Austin and loved it. Wasn't sure how it was going to go, but I um, really enjoyed it. Had a good race. Um, So I think going down the long course road is a 
possibility for me career-wise. And I think I could have a lot of success, success with it and enjoy it. But I also, my heart is still in the ITU world and I can see myself qualifying for Tokyo. And if I like plan it out right and stay healthy and they have the mixed team relay at the Olympics now. So that yeah. adds a whole other dimension, which I'm, I, I think I'm pretty good at the relay. I did a couple last year, um, with the major league triathlon league. And then I went to Nottingham and raced for Canada for, for one of the relays there. So I have like that track background and I think I can find speed in the run again. And my cycling is strong now. So that's also an attribute. And there's so many dynamics in this team racing that you can't just look at like, who's the fastest swimmer, biker, runner. There's like a whole dynamic to it that you, you have to think about breaking away on the bike or bridging up on the bike, or it's interesting, the whole process, cause it's so new to everybody, but that uh, opens up a door, I think, for me to to qualify as well. So we'll see. Well, the Olympic qualifying starts this year, but I also am planning on doing <laughs> Oceanside and uh, starting the year with some halves. And the whole idea behind that is to take a bit of pressure off of me. I think that I've had so much of it on me racing and showing up at these ITU races, especially in Edmonton and in Montreal and the Canadian WTS races, because I'm still seen as like the Paula Finley who wins everything and <laughs> or won everything in the past. And that puts pressure on me from other people, like external pressure and internal pressure. And I'm not the person I used to be. And I definitely wasn't fit enough at those races to, to win or anything. So it's almost like embarrassing. And it's such a, it's hard for me to like recover from those races after. Cause I'm so hard on myself and like, mm. why am I so terrible? Yeah, this, yeah. Might be, this sounds like a great plan. Like just get this half mm-hmm. Ironman half Ironman racing training all under your belt for a first yeah. two, month and not dive all into the ITU because that's totally it's gonna... so loaded like yeah <laughs> it's so hard every race like it's yeah. so competitive and right. I think the what is the first points race Yokohama I think or uh, Ber- well year? they've already had one in uh, Abu Dhabi okay um and then Bermuda and but the whole I'm also not on the national team and there's a whole process to getting into those races now or you I'd have to start at continental cups and podium there and then go to world cups and kind of build my way back into racing at the best top level at WTS races. So there's, yeah, a lot of steps to get back. So there is a, there is a point. I mean, it's 2018, right? So there, yeah, I can't just like leave it till the last minute. I need to definitely keep my ITU (laughs) racing going, but it doesn't need to start like in March or in April. It can start a little bit later in the year. And that's the plan is to kind of get into this new training program. And I can, I'm, you know, it's going to take a couple months to <laughs> get fit and get, get fast. And the training for Oceanside doesn't really change what I'm doing right now or what I would be doing if I were getting ready for an ITU season. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's overwhelming to think about the season and to like, think about what I'm, where I'm going to be and what I'm going to be racing, but it doesn't change what I'm doing tomorrow is basically how I calm myself down is that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to get the email tonight about my training tomorrow. And (laughs) that's not going to change regardless of what race I do in September. So that's the process right now is just keeping it really simple and waking up and doing my job and like all these (laughs) things that Paula says. And I, and I think that's one of the things I love about you getting your workout tonight. It keeps you in the moment, you know, and like Mm -hmm. when we had Matt here and we did our interview with him, We were talking, you know, big vision and all of that. And Mm -hmm. then he was like, but all I know is that tomorrow I'm going to have a really hard workout. Right. right? And like, that's what I need to attend to now because 
But there's this balance, right? We've got to hold that vision. Mm-hmm. Hold that vision. See yourself on the podium in Tokyo. Hell, yeah, go yeah. goal get. You definitely have to have have goals. You have to hold that vision like with everything that, you know, all of your, all of your strength and will to see that. Yeah. But then it's like cut the string and come back to what's happening right now. Like yeah, right now you're yeah. just hanging here in our studio. <laughs> We're just having a combo. Your first podcast ever. Your first podcast Yeah, I've never ever. done a podcast. It's Love flying it. by. <laughs> and the fact that people, you know, we have, we put pressure on ourselves. That's what we do. But that people believe in you and they see you as that athlete of 2010 and 2011, that's mm-hmm. really good energy to have behind your back. And yeah. I know that we can flip it and we can put it into pressure, but everything gets carried into these, like, into like this resonance into the universe. Mm-hmm. And all of that propels you forward. All of that helps you. So it's like, sometimes when I work with my meditation clients, like the, one of the big biggest piece of homework I give anyone is like, when someone gives you a compliment, just say thank you. Like take it because that's yeah, amazing momentum. That's true. That, I'm not and, good at that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, there's your homework. Yeah. Right. Next time somebody gives you a compliment, you say thank you. That's all you say. You don't like give them another compliment back. Like yeah. you didn't. Right. Not, or say like, no, that's not true. I'm yes. actually not good at that. <laughs> because because those people are seeing it, yeah. but we're the last ones to see it. Yeah, it's true. And so you're doing a ton of like this incredible mind training just being on this squad, but that the mind training of, of, you know, love and belief in ourselves is like the biggest that we can do. And when we mm-hmm. see it around us, it's easy to transmute it into pressure. But if we see it around us as like, ooh, I could hop on that train and carry that momentum that I, that's already like a steam engine going down the, down the track. Mm-hmm. And what if I just hopped in front and I wasn't the caboose anymore and I just like led that train and yeah. I had all that power behind me? Yeah. You know, cool. it's so it's, <laughs> it's just watching when we put pressure on ourselves. And, and, you know, I do believe that pressure is good in in the way that it keeps us alert and it keeps us awake, right? And like that you're not going to be on the pontoon, like, you know, just kind of like chilling, looking around. Yeah, like, yeah, you need you to be to, awake and ready in that moment. <laughs> yeah, you need, yeah, you need to have that um, <laughs> acuteness, you know, to your ability to be alert. But, um, but yeah, like watch those compliments. That's That's going to be your... That's going to be that's, your homework. That's not that we're, we're here to give homework, but we kind of do that. <laughs> no, I like that. We kind of yeah. do that to people, especially <laughs> our especially our amazing, amazing athletes that we have on this show. It's there's always some nugget that comes mm-hmm. up. Um, I know Taylor is now sketching, and and um, we oh, were cool. talking about that on her podcast. Like she had gotten yeah. away from like that love that she has for architecture and sketching, and yeah. And now she's doing Brought that again. Brought her back to it. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That was her, one of our homework. I'm not taking credit for her doing that. I'm just saying that we her talked about that. Her next worth millions came from... Dedicated yes. to me. Dedicated to you. <laughs> really nice. Yeah. I'll be looking forward to that, Taylor. Cool. All right. Tokyo. So Oceanside, we will see you there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But what? it won't be the first time we raced because we raced Boulder Peak last year. We oh, drove to you? Boulder. Oh, oh wow. yeah, that's right. And you won Boulder Peak. I I won the famous Boulder Peak Triathlon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was that the first time you had done it? It was. Yeah. Oh, that's a God. great race. Yeah, it was super so fun. Awesome, and right? la- and the guys that took it over, Lance. Um, oh yeah, the with, they're so without awesome. Limits without limits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those. And um and I'm sure you know Barry, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. the mayor, yeah. the mayor of Triathlon. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Oceanside. But Oceanside Beach will be racing. Yep. Clark and I will be out there um, supporting. We'll so. be running the info booth. 
so if, two days. So if, if you have, have any questions, if you have any questions or <laughs> okay, uh, you need any uh, positive yoga, positive <laughs> momentum, yoga you just come to us and we'll we'll give oh, that to you. I will for sure do that. Yeah. I'll need all the positive momentums. Oh, we'll be <laughs> totally <laughs> surrounding you in it. And Eric's going to be racing, which is super yeah. cool. Eric's racing. Anyone else from the squad racing? Uh, Jen Spieldenner is racing. Okay, so that's cool. We're like team time trial right now because we just we are the only ones on our time trial bike. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Everyone else is on the road bike. And then do you have um, another 70.3 in mind? Uh, possibly St. George. I'm going to race Huntington Beach, the Olympic distance escape cool. series, uh, middle of April, which is just up the coast. So the first two races I'm doing are like driving distance away, which is cool. so great, right? very convenient. Nice. Takes the stress of travel away. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe St. George. Let's just see how Oceanside goes. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't change what I do tomorrow, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> that's my constant what I'm thinking. So exactly. All right. Thank you for having me and talking to me and oh, taking so interest. <laughs> oh my gosh, are you kidding me? We're gonna be screaming loud for you on race day. Thank um, you. In Oceanside, and we're just so grateful that you're here. So thank you. Thank you for coming to Carl's Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paula. Thank you. Thanks so much, you guys. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll be back next week with our March installment of Ask the YTs. If you have questions about training, meditation, mindfulness, plant-based nutrition, or how to be an awake and ready human, send them over and we'll flesh them out for you on the show. Thank you for making your pledge to Patreon. We are in deep thanks of your support. That is already here. We know that support is already here. And one final note on our mindfulness M21 programs. We begin our next round on Monday, April 2nd, and we've shifted our model a bit to create space for a larger community to come together. This is a revolution and it will not be stopped. Check out the show notes for the link to check out the M21 challenge and sign up today. All right, that's it for this week. You guys make time to have a visit with yourself every day. Get still. Start with one conscious breath to decelerate fully into the moment so that you walk into your day from a platform of calm.